Hey, what's up, New Life Church? We are so glad that you've joined us on our digital campus this week. Listen, we got an amazing day for you. I'm excited. Pastor Rick is back on here today, going to be bringing a word here on digital. We're going into worship in just a moment. But before we do that, come on, let's pray over our day today. God, I thank you for everybody that's watching right now. Lord, whether they're in their cars, whether they're at their houses, God, wherever they are, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that your presence, God, be with us. God, just come and meet us wherever we are today. God, be with this service right now. Be with Pastor Rick as he brings the word to us today. God, may we lean in and grow and grow like never before in you, Jesus. So be with us in your name. Amen. Come on, guys, let's worship Jesus today together.
Okay, New Life Church, I love worshiping with you, but my favorite time is worshiping with you from a song and with a song that was written in our church. A young man named Seth Flood wrote that several years ago, and every time we sing it, the first time I heard it, I said, this is going to help us. And now, through the years, it continues to show up every time we worship God that way. If you happen to know Seth, send him a little thank you text and let him know how great that song is. Today, we're in the life of Christ, just like we have been now for a few months, and I'm gonna be talking to you about this man in the Bible who was a leper, and the text and the point that I wanna make, although I don't have points to share, the big idea that I wanna talk about is mercy. His mercy is amazing. Are you good at showing mercy? And in fact, if you want to think about uh, the year 2020, it's been very difficult, as you know, to figure out what do we need to learn. When you study the life of Christ, you're trying to figure out what it is that he can teach or what it is that's important to him. But what do we do? We have to make these ideas and these convictions maturity inside of us. For example... At the beginning of this year, I wrote 110 pages of notes on vision for 2020. Do you remember that? The year of vision. So I wrote all this down. I was looking at it recently, and it was embarrassing. Like, none of it came to fruition. 
None of it. But yet, if I take what we're learning from the life of Christ and I apply it, I'm far beyond even what I wrote on a piece of paper at the beginning of the year. So my question to you is, do you sense his mercy? I don't know if you remember me sharing this, uh, but Nike uh, went out and was studying a few years ago all of their customers, and they went into teenagers' rooms, and they tried to figure out what are the trends, and they were looking for different patterns and coloration and slogans, and they took like a thousand different homes, and they brought it back to their headquarters and to a think tank uh, to look at these ideas to see if they could dream what it is that the people were craving. So that's how they came up with the plan, the scheme for the next year. Well, a lot of people look at them and go, how do you know what it is that, that we want? Well, the answer is, you told them. And this is the way that I see the life of Christ. He knows exactly what we want, and I think it's important that we tell him. Lord, I see this story on mercy, but I want to become more merciful. And I'm not that way, but I want to be that way. So today we're going to look at this leper. It's in three different Gospels. You can see it in the book of Mark, you can see it in Matthew, and you can see it in Luke. And we need fresh manna, so that's why I love the life of Christ, but especially around the terms of mercy and grace, this is the life of Christ. So when a story appears several times, it's probably a good idea to try to learn from it. Like my professor said, if I say it a lot in the classroom, it's probably going to be on the test. It's the same here with the life of Christ. If he's talking about it a lot, maybe he knows we need to learn from it. So when you think about this leper in the word, leprosy a lot of times is described as a type of sin. And so maybe you will never have anything like leprosy, God willing. We are all like a leper in terms of our sin and the degradation of our sin and the way that we live unclean without God. We have no chance. Without his mercy, no chance. So I'm convinced that some of you right now, you feel like you have no chance because you're forgotten about his mercy. I mean, you think about what it is that he went out and did. He took care of people in their health. You talk about health care, he was there. You talk about the miracles, the way that he would serve the poor, the way that he would feed people, the way that he would forgive them, even at the end of their lives, the way he would raise people from the dead. I mean, there's countless stories of his mercy reaching out. Please don't be one that thinks that he can't reach you. The scripture is clear. When you think that way, it's like we're crucifying him all over again. It's like we're saying, oh, the cross was amazing. The price he paid is amazing, but it's not enough. No, it's enough. So Jesus knows that we have to have mercy, especially in the latter times. The Bible says that in these days, brother will turn against brother. Have you seen any of that? Father against son mother against daughter. This is what Jesus said. Hey, not only do you need to love those that you love or that love you, but it's also important that you love people who are your enemies. 
I don't see much of that this year. I see a lot of people loaded with hate, ready to fire with extreme venom. So the goal for today is that you will not only see the mercy of Christ, but that you will want to live merciful. That's my hope. Uh, Even when you despise a person's opinion, even when you hate what they're writing on social media. I wrote a book called Real Love in an Angry World because I could see how important it is that I get this. I didn't write the book for other people to read. They read it, but I really knew that I had to ace this. So Jesus extended mercy to others time and time again. And in fact, all the way up to the last moment and still to this day, it's his favorite thing to do. So what is mercy? Mercy means getting what you do not deserve, like forgiveness. When we receive something like that from him, it's not because we deserve it. And so that's why a lot of us, we don't accept it because we think, oh, I'm not ready for that. I'm not strong enough yet but you're taking away the greatest power that Jesus has. This mercy has to be seen and understood and received. Just like this leper in Mark chapter one and verse 40. Let's look at it. It says, now a leper came to him imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. When is the last time you approached the Lord about something that only he could do? I think a great way to pray is just, Lord, if you are willing, it's like in that moment you realize he's willing. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Like that's his move. Like we know that there are times we have to make a move in life. But Jesus, his move is compassion, and he moves that way. That's how he goes after you and me. And he stretched out his hand, and he touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy, it left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. This is interesting because uh, I remember when I was asked to be in ministry, the Lord called me to be a pastor, and I started out as a youth pastor. I wanted to be a youth pastor my entire life. I still feel like I could go back and do it, and I know it's not true, but I just love teenagers. But when my pastor approached me and said, hey, I'm going to make you the next youth pastor, the interesting thing is what he said next. He said, you're going to be the next youth pastor, but I don't want you to tell anybody. And I was like, nobody? No, I don't want you to tell anybody. I don't want you to tell the kids. I don't want you to tell the parents, and I'm not going to tell the church. Don't they need to know? No, they're not ready for that. You still have to grow up some. I was like, okay. Well, this guy has the greatest news He could ever have a major miracle, a creative miracle, and the Lord is saying, don't go tell anybody. And this guy went out and told everybody. 
Interesting, we are asked by God to tell everybody about Jesus, and we don't tell anybody. Maybe it's because we don't understand his mercy. But then it continues. But go your way. Show yourself to the priest. That's what he wanted. He wanted him to tell no one but the priest. Because the priest could give him a legal right to not go around and to be unclean. Ringing a bell, and I'll come to more of that later. And it says, however, he went out and began to proclaim it freely. And to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. That's the reason why he didn't want the guy to share it. It wasn't like he had any other motive. He just wanted to be able to continue to give mercy to others, and this slowed down the process. So let me just talk for a second about leprosy. i got some things that I feel like are very important to point out. Leprosy was, was very common in the day. It was widespread with no prevention, no solution. It was a terminal illness. You would have it for like a year or two, maybe five years, ten years, and every now and then, according to my study, people could live for 20 years. But again, there was no cure. And once your skin was discolored, uh, you knew you were going to die. And not only did you know that you were going to die, uh, but there was a lot of shame attached to that. So there's three things about leprosy worth looking at. And I think it's related to the sin of our lives today. First of all, leprosy, it killed the soul first. This is what sin does. It's not just something that we did. It takes away our countenance, our soul, the way that we think the way that we live around our emotions, our mind, will, and emotions. And uh, we know uh, that it was related to social distancing way more than even COVID causes us to be now. They would have to literally ring a bell yelling, unclean, unclean, and no one could get around them because if they did touch them, then this person was also unclean. And many times they would get leprosy themselves. And even if they didn't, they still had to ring that bell yelling out, unclean, unclean. Imagine everyone thinking that you failed because in that day, if you had leprosy, it was very clear to everyone because of the Old Testament that you had it because of a secret in your life. Not only did you have leprosy, but you also had sin in your life that created it. And so the shame was there. They were contagious. They were cursed and judged by God. So leprosy really was a sign of moral failure more than anything else. Look at this verse in Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 45. Like the first time you ever see people wearing masks, way back in the book of Leviticus, the leper must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkept, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. And we kind of live in that world. Leprosy is really where the whole mass thing got started. Have you ever had anything to happen to you that you knew it was bad for you physically, but you could tell immediately that it was going to change your soul? I remember one day being out with Randy, my brother, which is always a bad idea. Being with Randy, 
is a bad idea. I'm kidding about that. He's actually a great guy. He's just weird. No, I'm kidding. He's a blast. So we were on this four-wheeler, actually three-wheelers, before there were four-wheelers, and they were pretty dangerous. He was riding on the back, and I was going crazy just driving this thing. And, and we went over this hill, and when I came down from that hill, I didn't know that a flood had washed out the trail. And we hit that thing going full blast. I don't know the speed, 30 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour. But when we hit it, we went flying in the air. And my face hit the mud, and then Randy hit me right in the back, and, and he went flying over into the trees. And, and I just rolled on my back. Somehow, through the tossing and turning, I ended up on my back. And Randy came over, and I said, are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm okay, are you? And I said, yeah, Randy, I think I'm fine, but I cannot feel anything. My hands, my feet, I can't feel a thing, and I can't move. And Randy was just stunned, and I was stunned. And immediately, I was not really thinking about the physical ailment. I was thinking about my life, my relationships that would be hindered, the, the way that I would communicate. Uh, just my whole life flashed in front of me, and I was in despair. You know, still to this day, I think about people who, who are paralyzed and the reality of that, although I never experienced it because about three minutes later, I could feel my feet and then my ankles, and then my legs, and then my abdomen, and then my hands, and then my head, then I was able to get up, and we went straight to the hospital to make sure I was okay. And, uh, but I just remember struggling with that ailment, thinking this is gonna hurt my relationships too. Like my soul was involved in it, my emotions. Sin, like leprosy, it first kills your soul. And then leprosy erodes your body. Their skin uh, was discolored, like I said earlier, but they would have ulcers and dry skin, and it was painful and affected their nerve endings. So in one part of their body, they couldn't feel anything. In the other part of their body, it would just hurt with agonizing pain as they were screaming. And your ability to move and walk and talk and work and not only would they lose feelings, but a lot of times they would die from the accidents of that, like cooking something in the middle of the woods, trying to stay away from everyone else. Their hand could be over the fire burning and they didn't even know it. And then their whole body would catch on fire and they didn't even know. Can you imagine that? And in Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 46, and I know it's getting heavy right now, and I'm certainly not trying to create that, but... I think this is a serious season that we live in when we're living without the mercy and we've forgotten the grace and what sin tries to do to us. And we just have the patterns of the world where we no longer consider, man, I need to approach the Lord and ask for him to touch me again. That's why I'm being serious today. So in Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 46, it says, as long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside of the camp. Leprosy 
caused spiritual separation. They couldn't worship if they wanted to. They couldn't go to the temple. Uh, they were banished from the temple. Uh, they couldn't have fellowship with anyone else. And maybe the worst part of it is they were rejected by the church. Some of you have been rejected by a church. Maybe even someone at our church, God forbid. And the pain of that is real. This is what was going on with them. For that culture, leprosy was like a, a public showing of your private sin, and people were commanded to push you away. There's someone that I love a lot, and I made a mistake with them. I hurt them. And every time I think about it, it just it's like it nauseates me to know that I'm creating pain in their life, and I can't figure out how to resolve it. And I don't know if you've ever had anything like that, but sometimes our mistakes, we just can't pay the price for it. And that's what the Lord is trying to show you here, that there was no one who could go out there and take care of their own leprosy, just like you can't take care of your own sin. How many times have I said, you can't just run out there and fix your life so you can then serve God? No, he's got to be in on the healing. And when you have those moments with the Lord when you sense that he does have compassion to you, that he does want to reach over and give you mercy. It's a powerful moment. It's a powerful day. 2020 can be our best year. And by the way, I think it's important for you to understand that there is power in worshiping him. Look at this verse in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1. Says, when he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, this is a different angle on the same story. But here the Bible says that he worshiped. And one translation says that he hit his knees. Look, the pain of a leper getting on their knees. It would just be excruciating. And what a lot of people try to do is when life is going great, this is when they worship. Woo-hoo, I got a raise. She said, yes, she would marry me. We're going to have another kid. Everything is blessing me right now. Woo-hoo, worship. But the best worship you will ever have in your life is when you worship in your pain. That's what this leper did. The miracle is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew, it just says that he uses the word worship. He hit his knees. And in and, and the book of Luke, it says that he, that he looked with honor at the king. This person hadn't felt honor in a long time. When you have leprosy, you don't have any connection with anyone. But here he is, up close and personal, looking right at the king, right at Jesus. So again, look at the pain. The pain that it took for this man to worship. Every movement told him not to worship. His feet, his knees, his back, every joint, every nerve. It was saying, no, no. But all of his being was saying, yes. Why? Because he saw the compassion. That's what moves us. Joel Stockstill, a friend of mine, uh, he is now in his 40s. But when he was around 13 years of age, maybe 12, he was diagnosed with a kidney disease. And this guy's had surgery after surgery. I don't even know 
how many dozens of surgeries. It's, it's probably several dozen surgeries. And he's almost died many times. But he said to me one time, he said, the deepest worship that I've ever experienced in my life was been during the most intense pain. You know, I'm convinced that that's just not true for a lot of people. Maybe that's why Hebrews chapter 13 15 says it's a sacrifice of praise. So maybe when you're having problems in your family, you need to talk it out. Maybe you need to love it out, pray it out, but do not forget to worship it out. Like when I would have people over uh, way back in the day, uh, when I was in Baton Rouge, I did a lot of counseling. I've shared this before. Forgive me if you've heard this, but I would try to help marriages or anyone who needed counseling. But I noticed that if I could get the couple who was struggling to meet in the prayer chapel for one hour before they met with me, that it would change everything. Many times I would go down there to get them after they prayed together for an hour, and they would literally look at me like, hey, you're in the way, get out of here. We're healed now. That's a powerful thing. Along with that, recently at the Hot Springs campus, Corey Cangelosi, he had everybody in the church stand up, and he asked for them all to read a portion of Scripture. We're all in the life of Christ right now, and they took a portion of Scripture somewhere in the New Testament, and they just started reading it out loud and not in sync with one another at their own pace, or their own translation, and then they just started reading it and then passing that scripture around for other family members to read it. He said, Rick, it was in that moment that I felt worship like hit our church. He goes, I think they were crying because some of the ladies, it might have been the first time they ever heard their husband read the word. And some of the adults, it might have been their first time they ever hear their teenager read the word, maybe in a long time. But that's when he realized, man, the word is alive and active and, and that it's incredible to worship God. Well, you never are going to worship the Lord without the word. And that's why that leper got right with God, because he heard the words of Christ. I'm willing. He saw the compassion of Christ. His mercy is worth worshiping. So again, in Mark chapter 1, however, we went out and began to proclaim it freely so he was told not to, and now he's shouting, guess what this man did for me? Similar to the woman at the well. And it spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction. Okay, let's review. This man who had to ring a bell every day could not get close to people, had no relationship with anyone. If he was married, he couldn't be with his family. We don't know any other details about this man. But in one second, this man was healed. He was set free. He was able to go in public again. His life was totally restored. All the limitations were taking off of him. Jesus paid a huge price to take care of us. 
And a lot of what's happening with this man and what happened on the cross is a foreshadowing of what he wants to do with us in our sin. He didn't just take your place. He didn't just go to bat for you. He traded places with you. Like when you give your heart to the Lord, there is so much mercy that is handed to you that when the Father looks at you, he sees the Son. That's mercy that's hard to deal with. All right? The church. I love it when the church gets this right. I remember a man uh, many years ago in our church. He had fallen into adultery. And uh, I didn't know anything about it. And we were having church, and one of our pastors was preaching. And in the middle of it all, this man on the second or third row, he just yelled out, I'm in adultery. I heard it with my own ears. You should have seen his wife's face, his family. And I was like, I know he didn't just say that. And he yelled it again, maybe two times or three times. And uh, so some ushers went over there and was praying over him. It was an awkward moment, but this man was the only one who looked free in the place. And so afterwards, I brought him into my office, and I, I said, just what you would say. Why in the world did you yell that out? And he said, when the pastor was talking about the love of God, I realized I didn't want to go one more second in my sin. I didn't care what it meant. I had to have that love forgive me. And he said it was the greatest decision I ever made. Like, I'm not trying to say it was a great tactic, but I am trying to say there's nothing can compete with his mercy. So I don't know where you are. I don't know how long you've been there. Uh, but many times I've seen this mercy change someone. One of the hardest hearts that I've ever encountered as a pastor was a businessman who was in the hospital dying. He never went to church. He didn't believe in God, according to his words. And uh, so I just decided I was going to go and visit him a couple times a week. And the first time I was with him, I said, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I said, well, I'm glad. I knew the report that he wasn't good. So the next time I went in, I'm good. As soon as I walk in, I'm good. And so I think it was like the third time that I was able to pray with him. He let me pray for him. But he, I'm good. Well, I just want to pray for you. I'm good. I just want, okay, pray quick. But there was a time where I went in there and I looked into his eyes and, and he said, I'm not good. I've never been good. And I've been running 100 miles an hour away from the Lord my entire life. He said, but last night, I had a dream of hell and I had a dream of heaven. And he said, uh, I'm not going to be the same. And I want to spend eternity with the Lord. And he said some very specific things to me that I must not say right now in the church, but he said, I'm not good. I'm not good. 
I need the mercy of God. And I pray with this man. He's like, like alligator tears just coming down his face, but joy right in the center of it all. He looked at me on the way out. He said, listen, this is the greatest day of my life. I don't think he even lived another week. So during his death, he reported that it was the greatest time of his life. That's what compassion is. That's the mercy. I've met that mercy. But have you? So I want you to think about that. I'll pray with you in a minute. But let's go back into worship and see if you can recognize the compassion is trying to reach you this day. You are 
okay, we've worshiped together, we've heard the word, we've asked for God to help us, and now some of you are gonna make a decision to give your life to him. Some of you, you've never done that. Not once in your life like that man in the hospital. And others of you are like that man on the second or third row who just repented of his current sin because he missed the Lord. So I wanna pray for those who have never given their heart to the Lord, and I wanna pray for those who have, but you've left the mercy. And so let's bow our heads all around the room that you're in, wherever you are, unless you're driving, keep your eyes on the road, but you can pray with us as we see God together. Let's say this prayer. Say this out loud, if you will. Say, Lord God, I am a sinner, and I do need your mercy. I thank you for the cross and your forgiveness and your compassion, and I invite you into my life right now to be the Lord of my life, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that I can be a witness for you, just like that leper. You have extended compassion. You have shown me mercy. And now I want to tell others about it. And I thank you, Lord, that people are going to pay attention to my story. I need a grace. I need a mercy, and you gave it to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks a lot for letting me pray with you. And I want to throw this to Kevin. He's got something to share with you. Wow, what a powerful message on mercy. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for the mercy that Jesus extends us. And today, maybe you ask Christ to come into your heart. And we would love to walk alongside you in this new decision that you just made. If you'll text NEXT to 88000, you'll see it right underneath me. Just text NEXT to 88000. We'll follow up with you and help you in any way we can as you start on this journey of following Christ. Well, today we're going to take our tithes and offerings. And I just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. Listen, your giving is allowing us to reach people all over the state of Arkansas. And we just want to say thank you for that today. Whether you give right here on the digital campus or you give to a campus across our state, we just want to say thank you. So today we're going to pray for Fellowship Bible, an amazing church in our state. And I reached out to them and told them we were going to pray for them today. So we're going to do that. And I'm also going to pray a prayer blessing over all of you watching today. So God, right now, we just thank you for Fellowship Bible Church. What an amazing church in our state. We ask that you would be with them and their pastors and all their campuses today. God, and I also just pray a prayer of blessing over everybody watching right now. God, whether it's a man, woman, child, college student, teenager, Lord, I just pray that you would bless them today, God. Lord, I pray that they would understand, Lord, the mercy that you give us and extend to us. No matter what our past, God, no matter what we've been through, God, you're always there for us. So I just pray that over everybody today, God, I pray that we would just grow this week in life of Christ as we dive into our daily devotionals. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our church and inside of all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Listen, 
I hope you have an amazing week this week. We'll be right back here at 930 next Sunday. God bless.